Hello and welcome to Assured by Grace. I'm your host, Danny Woodward, and I'm joined again, as always, by my co-host, Bill Congdon. And today we're going to look at a, uh, a startling new, I guess, uh, study that has been released. And this study, Phil, it, it shows us that the belief and the trust and the inerrancy of Scripture here in the United States has dwindled mm. to an all-time low, and yeah. it's on a downward trajectory. And uh, and we want to talk about this because in the past we've talked a lot about how our assurance of salvation is intrinsically tied to the promises of God and to what Jesus has done for us. Yeah. It's not in looking back at at, at our lives and, and what we're doing and how we're living. It's tied to what Jesus has done and what he's promised us. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's a startling revelation and, and it's sobering to us as we kind of look at what's happening in our country and in our in our communities. And Phil, mm. I just want to kind of open it up with where, where has our country gone wrong? Where are we missing the boat here? <laughs> well, we've rejected God. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a simple statement, but faith in God is, um, is a volitional thing. Anybody can, can decide. And, you know, you can believe in the Easter bunny. Uh, you can believe in anything. But what you believe in, the object of your belief is going to determine a great deal about your life. And uh, it's interesting. This survey was the, the Gallup May, um, uh, what is it, Values and Beliefs Survey. So in, during the month of May, uh, this survey was taken. The results have been announced. And um, some of the, the key results of this are, are very uh, telling. They just... They are a picture. Let's think of them as a, a, a portrait of, of our society. 20%, that's one in five uh, Americans, uh, would say that the Bible is the Word of God, that, that this is God's written revelation to, to man. Literally, yeah. And then 29%, so that means almost 50%, more say that the Bible is just a collection of fables and legends and so forth. Now, uh, somebody would say, well, we're, we're a very multicultural society, and so you're going to have people who believe other religions and so forth. And, and that is true. Uh, but the very first thing I would say is that let's just understand that people who say, well, America is just a Christian country. Mm -hmm. Well, no, it isn't. And, and it gets really interesting here. Um, the breakdown of the survey also talked about, uh, so if they were taking a survey of somebody, they would ask them their religious affiliation and things like that. Yeah. And so of those who said they were Christians, so now we have, they're not uh, Muslims, they're not Buddhists, Hindu, or or anything else. These are Christians. 58% of them say that they view the Bible as inspired. Now, that's a kind of a, a loaded term. What does that mean? Uh, but then they say, but everything isn't supposed to be taken literally. So here, uh, six out of 10 who are Christians are saying, 
No, you know, you don't take it literally. And we're, we'll come back to this in a minute because that's very crucial. Yeah. When, when you don't take something literally, <clears throat> if I say, to, so I knock on your door and I say, hey, your house is on fire. And you don't take me literally. You take me metaphorically. You're going to be up. You're going to be you're going to be up a crick. You know, literally taking something literally just means normally. What does it say? That's what I believe. So you have Christians, six out of 10, roughly, saying they don't view the Bible as something literal. So that makes it into some kind of fairy tale or something. So 30 yeah. percent of Protestants say that the Bible is literally true. And of Americans who identify as evangelical or born again, so this is even a smaller group, they're evangelical. These are the, the church-going people. Among that group, those who believe the Bible is literally true is significantly less than 50%, hmm. less than half. And this is a this is an erosion. There are a lot of reasons that could be given for this. I think in recent years, it's just our lack of uh, faith and authority. We've seen the, the political um, institutions. We can no longer trust them. The media is is has fed us so many lies, and then when it comes out that they are lies, they just move on, and and we don't know can you believe them or not. Uh, Education has left behind obvious truths when, when we're being told that two plus two doesn't necessarily equal four, uh, that kind of a thing. Yeah, I was going to uh, I was going to point out just yeah. the just, you know, the science that we're taught, the fact that we're taught a science that is predicated on an old earth worldview. And, and so you automatically from the time kids are little. They're being spoon-fed, the, the yeah. concept, that the story of Genesis, uh, <laughs> first three chapters of Genesis are, are, are completely not true. So you wonder why we have all these, these people that are buying that, into the fables. That lack of authority figure, yeah. it bleeds over, and it's bled into the church, and the church is at fault as well, because there are many churches, and I use the term here as broadly as you can, uh, anything from Roman Catholic to to various uh, Christian uh, cult groups, as they would be called, uh, right. whether Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, or whatever. <laughs> you know, they're all going to be saying that this is what the Bible teaches, this is what it teaches. And this has always been a battlefield. It's been a battlefield from the very first century of the church. When Jesus, even before he died on the cross and he was dealing with the Pharisees, he was saying to them that, you know, you understand the letter of the law, you know, you, you've got all this, you know, written out, but you don't follow the spirit of the law. In other words, you know, the, the real truth that's there in the, the written word, which for them was the Old Testament, they, they had avoided it. They had learned to get around it so that instead of obeying it, they could escape from it. And don't we see this today? We see yeah. this in churches. In fact, you know, um, there, there are some amazing ways this is happening right now with wokeness, certainly, and, and the whole social justice and LGBTQ and uh, Black Lives Matter and all of these areas that are swirling around 
in our society. And what we see is that uh, Christian organizations uh, that have long based what they believe on the Bible, and that has given them an anchor that held, no matter what the winds were blowing uh, in this in the culture, they had that anchor, and that was their truth. They are now sort of marginal. They're just pushing it aside, and they're well, like what? For instance, oh well, uh, oh you know the. Uh, there are different Christian organizations that, that are struggling now because uh, they have failed to hold to the absolute authority. But I need to make a caveat here. You remember I, I talked about the interpretation. Um, mm-hmm. uh, recently, the Southern Baptist Convention, which uh, historically has written right into their, uh, their doctrine core beliefs. Yeah the absolute authority of scripture. It's the God's inspired, inerrant revelation, written revelation to man. Um, but even at their their meetings this year, uh, a very uh, prominent pastor, Rick Warren, uh, who whose church is a member of the SBC. Uh, I'm not a member of the SBC, so, so this is sort of like <laughs> speaking about somebody else, what they did, and, and I don't, have the ins and outs and and uh, all the details, but uh, one of the applications of God's word has to do with the uh, singular authority of men as pastors. That it is their responsibility to shepherd the flock. And uh, of course, we live in a, a world where not only are men and women uh, being debated, what is a man? What is a woman? Uh, but the idea that even if you accept that there are men and women, that only men should be pastors, that is shepherds of a of a church, and that that is their responsibility given by God, well, that's being attacked. And so it happens here. We have the Southern Baptist Convention, which is by all standards historically is one of the most fundamental biblically based uh, denominations mm-hmm. in the world. And uh, when it came up this, this year that, well, uh, Rick Warren's church, they have uh, female pastors. And well, and that means that he's going against, this is one of their core tenets that they have actually stated that this is God has given this responsibility to men. And uh, he stood up and just said, well, there are many different views on this and many different interpretations. And once you cross this line, just imagine that there's a line and you say, well, this is what it says, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's what it means. Mm. And so now I'm going to give a different definition to something. And we see this in what the Bible teaches about marriage, about divorce, about sexual relationships. Yeah. We see it in what the Bible teaches about money, about giving. Uh, you see all of these areas. 
And Christians have well, gotten used to sort of watering them down. And Phil, when, when you wade into these subjects, you can you can quickly get bogged down and it seems a little swampy. Like it, the, the topics that, that you described just a second ago, you start to look at what's out there in terms of what people are arguing from yeah. in, in their interpretation, their understanding of the meaning. And it, it, it you could, I, I could very easily start to second guess, well, does the Bible really mean this? And so what would you say is a good way to, to keep just someone who's studying the word, mm-hmm. who wants to understand what God's intent and, and his, uh, his purpose for them and, and these subjects really is, how does inerrancy keep you from yeah. from? stumbling on those things. Okay. First of all, quickly, uh, this is a, a one minute uh, understanding of bibliology and what <laughs> we mean by inerrancy. By inerrancy, I don't mean that this Bible or what translation do you happen to have here? I think this is a new King James. Okay. Version. He has a new King James. This is the new American standard version. Maybe you have the new century. Maybe you have the new international version. Maybe you have the new living Bible. And every one of these translations Uh, is going to read slightly differently. So first of all, let's understand what inerrancy means. It doesn't mean that my Bible is inerrant and yours isn't. Uh, What inerrancy speaks to is the original revelation of God recorded by the writers of Scripture. Now, uh, you could, uh, somebody might say, (laughs) okay, well, of course course we don't have those anymore. Yeah. We don't, but there is better textual evidence for the exactness of this Bible, of, of our translations, than any other antiquity, in, any other writings from antiquity at all. Uh, if you want to have an interesting read, uh, get a hold of uh, a book, it's an old book, but still just as good, evidence that demands a verdict. Uh, This is a a collection of evidence about the existence of God, the historicity of Jesus Christ, the um, uh, trustworthiness of the Bible, and so forth. It's written by Josh McDowell. And uh, so you can get this at 100 places. You could get it from Amazon. Uh, But if you got this, you could read all this historical evidence, the evidence for the truth, that is the trustworthiness that what is written here is the original, is so high, it it far outstrips anything else. Uh, if you have taken any classes in ancient world history, you will have studied the Egyptians. Um, you will have studied the Phoenicians, the Assyrians, the uh, the Babylonians, their empire, Alexander the Great, uh, the Caesars of Rome. And yet all of this is based on extraordinarily scant evidence. Mm-hmm. It's centuries removed, and we just have a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. We don't have any of those original writings, and yet we don't have any question about that history. The reason is because in those days, people didn't just do what they do in Twitter today, or, you know, they just didn't write out something and then spin it out. Everything had to be copied by hand. It was proofread. 
And in fact, in scripture, if, if somebody was copying some scripture down and they copied one letter wrong, they would destroy that piece of paper in order to, that not paper, vellum or <laughs> whatever it was, papyrus, in order to prevent errors from getting in. Mm. And so it is that we now have thousands and thousands of uh, documents from going back all the way to in the New Testament into the second century and in the Old Testament going before Christ. And when we find these, what we discover is they reflect this revelation. We have the revelation correctly. It's a miracle. Only God could have preserved it, especially when all through history, we have had people trying to destroy the Bible. Now, having said that, inerrancy being it is the authority of God's revelation that he didn't stutter, that he spoke the words he wanted, and we can have, we can trust the Bibles that we hold today. That is what inerrancy means. Now, if a person believes in inerrancy, what that means is, um, uh, D.L. Moody has a famous saying. He said, the Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. And Jesus agrees. Jesus said, thy word is truth. Uh, in the New Testament, Second Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God. All. Uh, uh, the, all scripture, that's a, a word for the revelation of God in the law. All scripture is, and the Greek word is theopneustos, which means God breathed. And Peter wrote in First Peter, Second uh, Peter 1, 20 and 21, that holy men of God wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Now, if, if you can believe that there is no God and that everything that exists got here by an accident, then you do not have to believe that there's a Bible. But if there is a God who made this happen and you believe in that God, then God's revelation would be a reflection of God. And that is, he's absolute truth. So I'm, uh, this is, the, the reason why this is so vital is that if we do not have any authoritative truth, if there isn't any um, standard, uh, for example, if, if there were no more rulers in the world and we didn't know what 12 inches was and you went to the store and you said, I need eight feet of lumber. What are you going to gauge that by? Mm. Well, this is what we call a canon, and this is the canon of Scripture. It was guarded and guided by the same God who created this world. So he guarded it. He guided that uh, coming together. I have an absolute authority. So I no longer have to say, how can I ever know God? I can know God because he has revealed himself. And 
that, yeah, there's a lot more we could say. Well, and, and I just want to point out, going back to kind of that, that question, how do, how do we figure out what God is trying to tell us through his, his, his inerrant scripture about certain subjects? God doesn't contradict himself. Right. And, and as, you, as you read within the context of the books, uh, certain, certain absolute truths manifest themselves. And, and I think uh, one of the things that, at least in my opinion, that I see that people can get kind of uh, wonky on these days is by, by just opening your Bible and taking out a passage and reading what you think that passage means yeah. and, and, then, and then skipping uh, out of there and, and, and going and saying, my goodness, the Bible says this. And I think it sounds kind of juvenile, but I think a lot of theologians do that too these days, you know, in terms of looking at, at just the, the uh, meanings of, of different subjects that we have to wrestle with in our culture. And instead yeah. of looking at the context of the Bible and wrestling for, for the truth that is, is clear throughout Scripture. And um, so anyways, that, if wanted you read, to point yeah. that out. If you read articles from, uh, I'll call them progressive theologians or pastors, authors in, in the church who are trying to, uh, say, take a position that historically it's not biblical Mm-hmm. But they're trying to say, well, listen, the Bible could mean this or something. Uh, what you find is is somebody uh, twisting in pretzels what the Bible says. I, I just want to suggest that anybody who wants to read the Bible, there, there will be parts of the Bible that you will say, all right, I wonder what that means. Or I wonder who that was or what caused that or something like that. But by and large... Um, you will be able to understand everything you read. You start at Genesis and you read and you're going to read a narrative that is a story unfolding of God creating the heavens and the earth and creating all of life and creating man and woman and them being together in a garden and then them being tempted and rebelling against God and falling into sin and God eventually sending the flood and then God choosing one nation, the Hebrew nation through whom he was going to bring the savior of a world that was fallen in sin. And that story unfolds as it goes. And as yeah. you're reading this, you're reading history. Archaeology continually backs up what the Bible says. This is not a book of fables. If you read the, say, like some of the the old Egyptian um, uh, religious uh, documents concerning their gods, uh, they're fantastic. They read like a comic book of superheroes and you know and and animals and humans uh, coming together sexually and creating uh, new godlike creatures, and it's all um it's all a fantasy this reads exactly like history and everything we know from history agrees with the bible so god doesn't want us to be just following some religious myths he wants us to know something that is actually true 
and it can be a guide to your life. This is um, the the area I want to say just something about. Uh, the reason I said you can understand the Bible is that I think a lot of people are afraid to pick up the Bible. They don't know where to start. And you can start anywhere you want to. I would say start at the beginning of a book, but read anything. But uh, if you really want to to start to have an understanding of God and his love for you, then start in what's the New Testament, the book of Matthew. And you will read the story of Jesus, his life, his words, his teachings, and then read Mark and you'll get another account of the life of Jesus. It's very similar in a lot of ways to Matthew, but sometimes it's good to read it a second time and then read the third time, Luke. This is again, an account of the life of Jesus. It's from maybe Luke's standpoint, his viewpoint, but it's the same life. And you'll read of the same circumstances and the same teachings. And then read John and discover that you have a revelation of Jesus, not only as the man who lived, but as the God who was the creator of the world. Now you have a picture of Jesus that has come together all the way from his birth as uh, the virgin birth through his death on the cross and his resurrection. You get a handle on that, and then you start in the book of Acts. And now you're going to read about the church, and you're going to read about how the Spirit came and how the first Christians uh, were persecuted, but they struggled and hang in, uh, hung in there and shared this gospel message. And thousands and thousands were coming to believe in Jesus, and their lives were being changed. And then you read about the letters all of those letters, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, these are all letters written to churches and to church leaders. And, and all of this, as you're reading it, you're discovering these are real places. These are real people. These are real situations. And your life is real too. You've got real problems. And this is God's truth. So, uh, you know, with, this is assured by grace, Right. Why is this so important? This is so important because if you don't have any authoritative revelation, if your life is just a collection of this is what I think right now, and that's all you're going to believe in, you'll go from one thing to another, but you don't have any absolute truth. And we have a lot of absolute truths. You step off a building, you're going to fall to the ground. That's an absolute truth. We live with that. Uh, two plus two is four, despite what some people say. And you know what? God has given us absolute truth. He is the God of absolute truth. And so he says here, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And he says in this book, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but has everlasting life. Jesus said, whoever believes in me has eternal life. And in 1 John 5, it says, these things I've written to you who believe in the name of the son of God in order that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, if you say, boy, Phil, you sound like you're saying the same thing over and over again. Yeah, I am. Because the Bible speaks very clearly about that. Because God wants us to have assurance. He wants us to know 
we couldn't know if this wasn't absolute truth. And I think, I mean, you, if you think back to when you first trusted Christ as your Savior, um, you at some point in that time had to say, okay, I believe that what you, whoever shared this, mm-hmm. the gospel of you, I believe that what you're saying is true. Now, we're going to always struggle with with that authority because we live in a world where people are going to question everything. But to every person listening, if you have a Bible, read it. Let it speak for itself. Don't let somebody else tell you what it says or doesn't say. Go ahead, read it. Think about it. Maybe talk about it with other people too, but read, read the Bible because that's, that's an authoritative truth for us today. And if you're a Christian and you've been doubting your salvation, Hmm. read the Bible, read it because it is very clear that you know that you are a child of God. You know, Jesus said to Nicodemus, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of, of God. Okay, you want to see the kingdom? You want to be with the Lord? You have to be born again. But that's something that happens in a moment. Just like you and I were born. That happened. We were born. And you can, in a moment, be born. That's what the Bible says. And from that moment on, you can be assured, yes, I am born again. I believe in Jesus. I mean, you you did yeah. that a long time ago. How old were you when you trusted Christ as your Savior? Weren't? I was a little boy, probably five or six years old. Yeah. And I was too. Yeah. So you don't have to be a rocket scientist. You don't have to be a theologian or an archaeologist or anything else to understand this. The message is clear. Uh, And you can have assurance of your salvation and be ready to meet the Lord. I think he's coming back soon, too. It seems that way. Yeah, Uh, Phil, you know, I just want to I want to add on one thing. And and the fact that the the statistics that you quoted at the beginning of the show, uh, I think it was uh, 20 percent of Americans uh, don't believe that the Bible is a literal word of God. Well, no, 20% do, do do believe that's yeah. only 20% do. I mean, it was 29% just believed it was fable. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The Easter bunny. The other statistic that you didn't quote was that in 1980 and in 1984, the same survey was done oh. and it was at 40% that, uh, that believed it was the, the word of God, the literal word of God. So what we have in America is a is a decline. It's a trajectory where the the belief of of the Bible as the inerrant word of God is declining. Mm-hmm. And um, but we don't want you to worry or fret. We want to. We just this. That's what this is about. It's inspiring, hopefully, people to uh, to put their foundation or their trust in the Word, and and look to God and His promises for their assurance. Certainly look at what's happened. Uh, I know that there were problems in back in the 60s, 70s, 80s of the last century. And and uh, 
you know, they've continued. But I think most people would agree that uh, we've sort of uh, deteriorate, deteriorated in our in our culture in many ways. And I think that just goes hand in hand with losing uh, some some acceptance that there is a revelation from God to man. And we just, um, we can see that it can change life. It's changed our lives. It's changed millions and millions of people's lives. It can give you hope in a hopeless world. Try reading God's word and believe on the Lord Jesus as your Savior. Amen. Thanks, Phil.